Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Hey, uh, this is the DNVR Buffs podcast, and we're doing something a little bit different today. Um, this is live for those of you who are watching the live version on Twitter right now. And for those of you who are catching this later on the podcast, um, you should, you're probably the ones I actually need to tell that to. Um, but yeah, this is the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Illegal Pete's. Uh, and I figured since the weather's kind of bad and people might be kind of bored like I am, we would do this instead and just hang out uh, if you guys have anything you want to talk about leave it in like the replies to the tweet or like in the thing right there like it's like it says say something and then we can talk about that too uh the plan for today though i i did watch a couple more sports movies and i was kind of getting roasted for not seeing any of those i caught uh friday night lights uh which i'm not a huge fan of and we'll talk about that later on and also Mighty Ducks. I watched the Mighty Ducks. I think, like, I get it. I, I get why people like that. Like, it's all the nostalgia. Like, you see it. But in terms of me as a 22-year-old, no, 23. I'm 23 now. Uh, watching it for the first time 20 years after it comes out, I don't know. Just didn't quite hit home. There, there are good moments. Um, I have some notes. We're going to get into that stuff in a second. But, yeah, uh, basically, I figured I should just prop my phone up on top of a copy of... Uh, best sports writing of 2019 and in between a bottle of gin and a bottle of tequila and uh, just hang out with you guys while I uh, kill some time before the Nuggets game tonight. Um, before we get into movie reviews, buff stuff, I do want to tell you a bit more about Illegal Pete's. It's an incredible partner of ours. They are the presenting sponsor of this podcast and uh, we really appreciate them. They, uh, they, they have nine locations in Colorado uh, six are in Denver, two are in Boulder, one is in Fort Collins. So if you ever need a burrito, if you ever need a taco, any of that kind of stuff, that's the spot to go, Illegal Pete's. Um, plus, if you're going to an event, I'm going to the Nuggets game tonight, then you can stop in one of those locations and get a free draft beer or a free margarita. It's a great deal. Um, so yeah, love them, appreciate them, and... Let's start talking about Friday Night Lights. Uh, I wanted to start off with the movie stuff because I know a lot of the people who are going to be watching the live stream, which I could cut off at any time. I'm not really sure what the plan is here. Um, a lot of you might not be Buffs fans necessarily and might be more interested in the movie talk. So, uh, lots of notes on Friday Night Lights. Big one is that it, I just don't really get it. Um, I don't understand why exactly that 
was the story that was chosen for the movie because they did go and win the state championship the year after wouldn't that be a more interesting story um i I took a whole bunch of notes um i I wasn't really sure why jim bob cooter no that's not jim bob cooter yeah it is jim bob cooter uh no, 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 no. That's Billy Bob Thornton. Jim Bob Cooter is the real football guy. But I didn't realize like why Billy Bob Thornton was mad at some points and not mad at others. So like there's the time when like the running back can't find his helmet and can't get on the field and he just doesn't really care, but then just random stuff he flares up. Um and I tweeted this earlier. It, it could just be that it was because I just watched Miracle before that that I uh I'd just seen Kurt Russell put on like one of the greatest coaching performances, maybe the greatest, probably the best I've seen. That doesn't mean much because I haven't seen too many of those movies, but one of the best performances acting as a coach that I have ever seen. And then it goes to that and it's like, eh, and you're like, ah, oh, he's supposed to be Nick Saban or whatever. And he has like the things and it's cool that Texas high school football is like such a big thing. And that's a, it's, it's tough to get that across just by telling people. And so it brings you in and you get to see all of that and how crazy people are about it. But in terms of like a storyline, I don't know, in terms of the characters, there weren't any really characters that I was pulling for. Like, here's the thing is when it gets down to the end, when they get to the state championship game, I should be like really pulling for them, but I just didn't feel that emotionally attached. Like you, you look at um, Booby Miles, and it's like, wow, it's sad that he didn't get to go on to have the crazy football career and he didn't lead them to a state championship because that was like such an important part of his identity. But also, he, he wasn't a guy that I really want to hang out with. I, I wasn't really pulling for him when he goes and like tries to attack the doctor and his poor uncle. I did kind of like the uncle. I, I, I would have liked to see him speak at some point in the movie. I think that could have added a dimension to his character, but in, like I wasn't pulling for booby. Like, uh, I don't know. Um, the quarterback who's just soft and not all that good at football, not, not really pulling for him either. The coach, the, the the fans were all kind of bad people. The 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 guy who couldn't hold on to the ball. I can't remember his name. He had a great name. And I've heard references to that name that I didn't realize. Billingsley. I've heard people say Billingsley all the time. Um It's good 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 to have seen it. I wasn't really pulling for him. Billingsley's dad was just awful. Pretty much all those people were. They all just seemed miserable the whole time. And it made me sad. It's kinda like uh it kinda reminded me like watching like Mad Max almost where everything's like super negative and like you're just like wow this is like dystopian messed up idiocracy kind of the same way like you watch those movies and you're like huh this is sad and dark and i just don't want to be sad for this long but it, that's kind of what i got from friday night lights too was just that it's like eh texas doesn't seem fun uh i i i do kind of feel bad for these people but i'm not really rooting for any of them uh just wasn't a fan also the why are we catching every game like like there's 10 minute cutups of every game during the regular season then they get to the playoffs and you don't see like the first four games of the playoffs they just skip straight ahead like you get like one play or i don't even know that you get one play in that i think you mostly like it's just like the score pops up on the bracket and and so we watch all these regular season games and then we just see the bracket for all those and all of a sudden it's the state championship um uh, I don't know. Friday Night Lights World is weird. It makes me wonder, because it's like a true story, how much of that is real. I will say, there's like a 30 for 30, I think, about uh, the uh, other team, like the guys who actually won the championship that year. That is a great, great watch. 
Um, but yeah, like right before the championship game when the teams are decided, they have a conversation about where the game is going to be played. How is that not predetermined? How have they not figured out? And and then when they decide a week before the state championship that they want to hold the game at the Alamo Dome, like you you can just do that. It's not booked. They're like, sure, yeah, bring all these people down here just for this. And then, I don't know. It did kind of like add a dimension when they're talking about the race of the officials because they're playing the all-black school and that was an inter- interesting conversation. Um, didn't really dig that deep into it. Um I don't know. I don't know. I, I really wasn't a fan. Also, the coin toss to get into the playoffs. This is jumping back before we just missed a month of football. But they have like the three coaches and, and they have to decide who gets the two last playoff spots. And so the way they do it is they have like the TV camera set up. Each of the coaches gets a coin and then they each flip the coin. And if there's like two heads and a tails, then the heads guys go. If there's like two tails and heads and the tails guys get those two spots in the playoffs. <sighs> I like it. It's like an interesting system, but then they all flip the coins and it takes them like a minute just to look at the different coins. Like they, they don't just look down and they're like, Oh, there's the coins. Like it, it, it's like a hunt for all the different coins. Like they're walking around trying to find them, They're like looking at one and the whole thing, just such a long drawn out process. And then it turns out they thought one of the coins was heads when it was actually tails I don't know. It, like, it's just over-dramatized. And, and that's partly me. Like, I, that's what I'm always thinking about when I'm watching movies. They're based on real things. Like Friday Night Lights, or Friday Night Lights was. But when I'm watching those, I just think, huh, is that really what happened? Or did they just make that part up? And a lot of the time in Friday Night Lights, I thought they made it up. And oh, the football scenes. Let's talk about the football scenes. Early in the movie, the practice scene. Great. When you have all of the scouts out there, I think that that's right up there with the best first 10 minutes of a movie ever, particularly a sports movie. Um, they have like all the cuts, you get the intensity, you get all the cameras out there talking to the players, you see how important it is to everybody. Uh, you, you get all the radio cut ups as, as you're like leading in. I think it's like during the credits or maybe it's just like driving around setting the scene in Texas. Um, it does a great job of like building up what this is all about, building up how much these football games matter. And, you know, the scouts, the scouts are right up there. I don't know. I, I really liked all that. But then you get into the actual football games and the quality of the actual football shots during those games kind of disappointed. Like, it's just all over the top. Like, one of the things I really liked about Miracle was that it all just felt really balanced like it felt like you were watching hockey and things were like cut up close and tight so you're like in on the action it wasn't like watching on TV but they they'd have the build up they they'd have like the the breakaway that saved the the great passing play build up like the tic tac toe get the shot off and it still gets saved um but Friday Night Lights didn't have that. It, there was like not much nuance to it. It was mostly like one team is beating the crap out of the other or that team is beating the crap out of the other one. There was never like a push back and forth and back and forth. Like you get to the state championship game and th- th- they say it's 18-0 after the first quarter, something like that. And you're like, how is this not 40 nothing? Based on what I'm seeing, if literally every player for that school that starts with a C is just like picking those guys up and tossing them and the the Odessa whatever can't uh 
do anything? How is that not more? But then all of a sudden they flip it and you're like, how how were they coming back? And I guess they did have like a couple big plays, but I don't know. Uh, the football scenes, plus like they're just taking everybody out on the sideline. Um, if you guys haven't seen Friday Night Lights, I think that's the big takeaway is you do not want to be on the sideline during a Texas high school football game. They're just like getting run over. There's like cameramen who are just taking shots and then they're like, boom, they just get hit in the face. They're laying on the ground, just blood spouting out everywhere. One of the cheerleaders in the championship game, uh, there's like, they get tackled into the cheerleaders and you can hear one of them like scream as she goes down. You're like, this is just weird. Um, it's very much like just hyped up um, adrenaline. And the, the storyline isn't all that interesting. It's just like bring bring the viewer back to high school football when they are playing like try to pull those emotions out of them and maybe that's like the dissonance there because because some of the people when i've said that i wasn't a big fan i've said like oh yeah i didn't like it either i can't remember who that was um but you say like i didn't like it either and then i lost a state championship game in high school and i was like wow that really resonates now for me as somebody who didn't play high school football i don't have that i did lose a state championship lacrosse game but I, I don't know. It, it just didn't work for me. Um, those are my thoughts there. Again, um, before we dig into the Mighty Ducks next, if you guys have anything you want to talk about, buffs related, anything else related, throw it in the like say something thing or uh, and like reply to this tweet and we can kind of talk about whatever because it's a cold day and I know you guys probably still like working and I'm working, but I get to work from my living room, which is where we are. I'd let you look around, but it, there's nothing to see. Um, and like I said, phone propped up between a bottle of gin and tequila. I don't want to try to rebalance this again. Um, so yeah, anything you guys want to talk about, just let me know. I'm down. Uh, but the mighty ducks now, um, I think, I think I, I get why people like it. Um, for me, it's not one where, I finished watching it. I'm like, okay, I got to jump straight into the second Mighty Ducks. Uh, whereas watching Miracle, like I said on yesterday's podcast, I would love to watch a Miracle 2. And I totally understand why there is not one because it's like a real life story. And whatever happened with that national team the next time could not have been nearly as interesting. I wouldn't mind if they just made something up. But um, in terms of the Mighty Ducks, don't necessarily need more. I do think that if I had watched it when I was little, then it could resonate more with me and I would have that like emotional tie to it and the nostalgia would bring me back. I don't get hit with the nostalgia. Also, I think that some people, like there's a very specific way that it's shot. It is very much a 90s movie meant for kids. Uh, in the way that the jokes work, you know, the, you have, you have the fat kid who farts, love that. That's a nineties classic right there. Um, but for me as somebody who was born in 97, like that was just kind of like before my era of what I grew up with. So it doesn't even have like that feel of being the same. I do have a bunch of notes there. Um, should probably just start running through those mighty ducks. First note. Gordon Bombay talks at a weird volume. I don't think you can argue that. It's always just a tiny bit too quiet. And the way that he has like a little bit higher voice, it doesn't really make much sense. Um, it's just like if he's supposed to be a bad guy, he's not a bad guy where you're like, eh. 
he seems like a jerk. You're just like, are you, are you just weird? Because he kind of just seems like he's just like a weird dude. And I don't get the, like those early, like, they thought he was a drug dealer and he was going to shoot them. Like, look at that guy. Like, there's no chance. Um, but yeah, um, definitely way too soft to play hockey. I, I, I think that that's pretty obvious. Um, generally just didn't love the performance. Um, also, also there's one point when things aren't going well, one of the early hockey games where he pulls out a bottle of pills and just pops one. And, and I'm sure it's like Advil or something, but still that is a very intentional move to put in the movie, like him popping a pill because of how bad his team is playing. It's like, huh, this is a kid's movie. I'm not sure about all that. Um, we don't need to talk about him much more. Again, he has like the love interest that was so obvious all along. Like, oh, that lady hates him in the first scene. I bet you in the last scene, they're like kissing or something. Uh, guess what happened? That. Um, again, just very predictable 90s, whatever. And, you know, it's it's like I get how it resonates and I've said that. Um, also, how did the Mighty Ducks get that bad so fast? Also, the kid in the alley that just, like, shows up. What was he doing in the alley? He turns out to be the guy with, like, the cannon for a shot. Um, he's, like, a he's like an 11-year-old who rips the net. Like, his first time on an ice rink, he, like, puts a hole in the boards, in the glass. Like, that doesn't happen. NF, or NHL guys don't even do that. Um Again, maybe my standards are just too high after watching Miracle. Like, I get the Mighty Ducks love for sure. I'm just not part of it because I didn't see it at the right time. Getting back to the point, what was that kid doing in an alley? Uh, Like, the bullies come from the good hockey team and they, like, roller skate in because that's what hockey bullies did in the 90s, I guess. I wasn't there. Um, But then they, like, throw the kid up against the wall in the trash and he just comes out of nowhere out of the shadows of this alley and grabs two of them and just, like, chucks them down there. What is the kid doing in the alley? I think that's the question we all need to be asking. <sighs> I don't know. Um, also, when they left Goldberg, the goalie, in the goal after they like, shoot all the pucks at him, um, they would have noticed. He's yelling. They are not far away. They would have come back and gotten him. Um, also, there was a spotlight on him. I'm not sure if you guys have noticed that, but there was a very obvious spotlight shooting down. And again, it's just like that kind of stuff where it's like, yes, this is a kid's movie. Um Martin Scorsese does not leave a spotlight on that. Um, you know, oh, also, I love this line. I think I might actually get this tattooed on me somewhere. I'm not really sure where. Take the fall, act hurt, get indignant. What a perfect bit of advice. Uh, I don't know. Uh, love that. And he makes them all like scream it back to him. Also, the movie makes me hate kids. Um, I'm not somebody who's naturally like, super into kids and maybe like seeing kids do all the things that they did like the whole hockey team roller skates through the mall they hit like the lady into the fountain and that's all right i guess i don't know i i'm i don't get it like like i see that and i'm like ugh, kids i i don't think maybe it's just because my generation actually is soft like i would never do that but i don't know just doesn't resonate me as a kid or as like a parent or any of that. Just like don't like them. Um, maybe I just have a bad attitude. Okay, uh, we're gonna talk about some buffs stuff uh, after this. I've got the Cal Oregon State game playing behind you, and I have some takes on that. Um, also, if there's anything you guys want to talk about, throw it in the say something thing that's right there. Reply to this tweet with it. We can talk about all that kind of stuff. 
Uh, but before I do that, uh, I want to tell you about Breckenridge Brewery because they're awesome people. They started in Breckenridge, Colorado. They're local. You just can't beat them. Um, actually, some of the DNVR crew is out there right now touring their facilities. They have this massive like $36 million facility where they have the, the, the farmhouse, they call it. It's a big restaurant, high ceilings. It's awesome. Um, also, like the brewery stuff. I already took this tour. That's why I'm not out there. I, I kind of want to go back, but again, I have work to do. This is <laughs> this is work. Um, and one of the things that I remember is that it's all like big German stuff, and they had to have like specific people come out there and install it. It's really cool stuff. More importantly, it's really good beer. If you want to try it, you can have some with us out at Illegal Pete's on Colfax on Saturday. Uh, we are having a Nuggets watch party from 7 to 10. Um I think so. The Buffs play at four. I think my plan is to get up there. Obviously, you have to go to the game, um, watch the game, hit the press conferences, head back down to that, and get there at like seven thirty. Watch the Nuggets play, get some work done, hang out, uh, and hopefully, some of you guys will want to make that trip with me because it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, also, want to tell you about Bojo's Pizza. Uh, if you haven't heard about their famous Colorado mountain pies, you got to check them out. Um, they're great stuff. I've heard I still haven't had a chance to try one. I've missed all of our opportunities. Um, but it's the only place you can go to get something like that. It's a classic. They're favorites among all of us Coloradans. That's me now. And uh, also people who are just like coming through and need to try some sort of Colorado pizza. If you want... You can tell them that you're like listening to me talk and you know about DNVR. If you just mention DNVR, then you can get a free honey cheese bread with the purchase of an entree. It's a great deal. Um, they, they put like honey in their dough. They do a whole bunch of cool stuff to make their pizzas very distinct, very good. It all works. They have a salad bar. They can host parties. They can host business events. They have $4 happy hours in select locations. They have gluten-free, plant-based options, big salad bar. I think I might have already said that. Um, so definitely go check it out and get your free honey cheese bread when you mention DNVR. Um, you, can, you can go to bojos.com, B-E-A-U-J-O-S.com, and tell them who sent you. Okay, um, if you guys are new here, if you guys haven't been watching for this whole time where I've been ranting about why I don't like some of these sports movies... Um, we're in my living room, just chilling. Uh, if you guys have anything you want to talk about, if you have any thoughts, you think I'm wrong about not liking Friday Night Lights, watching all that kind of stuff, um, go ahead and uh, say something where it says, say something right there. Or respond to the tweet and I'll see it. Okay. Um, Buffs basketball. So they play two games this week. Uh, they play Cal on... Thursday they play Stanford on Saturday and they have a huge opportunity and I think that that's uh that's my takeaway here is that usually after you split a weekend you don't put yourself in this good of a position usually you're in a position where you're trying to battle back um right now it's it's totally up to the buffs to do whatever they uh can do they, if they win their two games, then they will uh, be number one by way of a tiebreaker in the Pac-12. They split those games, then they're still in good shape. You know, it's it's a 
it's it's a big big opportunity uh and it's not an opportunity that you usually get when you split the games the weekend before so that's what's that's what's up for grabs right now a, a, a pack 12 first place spot um oregon plays oregon state that's their only game this week they've played one more game than colorado so that's why colorado is a half game behind i think it's seven and three for oregon six and three for colorado um best oregon can be is seven and four best colorado can be is also seven and four wait that can't be right no or eight and eight and three and eight and three um i gave them a loss uh so yeah um it's big. I think that Cal is going to be an interesting game. You know, Stanford is the big name this weekend. Stanford is the team that you're more interested in seeing. Um, you know, it's it's a uh, it's a good basketball team. They they started the conference season hot. They've fallen off a little bit since then, and since then they have played better competition. They've played more games on the road. It's not a huge surprise that they fell off when they faced stiffer competition, but then uh, they they uh, are still kind of the big name compared to Cal. And in these situations, we've seen Colorado screw up the first part. Um, we saw it last weekend when they dropped the game to UCLA, still beat USC. Uh, I've said before that I think that you can't take bad road losses all that seriously. Like it's it's not something you want to see, but at the same time, it just happens. When you're on the road in college basketball, it's hard to win basketball games. That's just the truth. And a lot of the problem is you just can't always have the same energy, the energy that you need. And it almost just feels random which games a, a, a team will show up for and which games they won't. They didn't show up against UCLA. They lost. They showed up, uh, showed up against USC. They won. That's the way that it's going to work. And it would make more sense if those results were flipped. It'd make more sense if they had beaten UCLA because UCLA isn't as good of a basketball team as USC. But it's honestly better that it happened the way it did. Um, those those good wins mean a lot more than a loss to a team like UCLA does. And so that's a situation where they they had an opportunity. They they took advantage of the tougher part of the weekend, didn't take advantage of the first part. We saw the same thing against Oregon State at home and then Oregon. You can't let it happen again. Now it's happened twice. If it happens a third time, that's when I'm starting to get a little bit concerned. Um, used or Cal is the easier matchup on Thursday. Saturday's the tougher matchup. Can't look ahead. Can't try to drift through this game because this Cal team is starting to get kind of hot. Um, I think they 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 started the season slowly, um, but recently, you know, they they just beat Oregon State this weekend. They lost to Oregon, but they only lost to Oregon by five. Before that, they beat Stanford. Before that, um, I guess they lost to UCLA. But but they do have some of these good wins. You can't overlook them. They have big, strong posts, guys that'll be interesting matchups for Evan Batty. Um, I think that that's one of my favorite parts of watching these college basketball games is just how different all of these teams are. You know, after after playing USC last weekend, having big athletic guys that you're going up against, now you just got some thick seven-footers. Um, and we'll see whether Evan Batty can compete with that in the post whether Dallas Walton can uh, make baskets because he is so much quicker because he he does have that athleticism that I don't think that these cow big men do at least in what I've seen um, in terms of the guards I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Cal's guards 
they have some scores for sure. Uh, they do a good job on the glass. They don't really have like a true point guard. I, I almost see them similar to Washington in that regard, where they don't have a McKinley Wright uh, who can just dominate a game for you, who who can run an offense for you, um, who can just get good looks for everybody on a consistent basis. That's not the way this team is built. They have some good scores there. A lot of it is they just want to get big and bulky and powerful with these uh, fours and fives that they have on the roster. I don't know. Um, I do think that Colorado should win this game for sure. Uh, I think they should probably be a pretty heavy favorite. Um, and that's kind of what I've been seeing on the tape from these guys. Um, I think this week, I, I think the big test, like I said, is for the big men. I want to see more from Dallas Walton. He was a, he was pretty quiet this weekend in part because he didn't get as many minutes as he had before. We expected that for the most part. Maybe didn't expect it as much against USC when I believe he played eight minutes. Um, still would have thought he'd get more than that. Um, but he didn't for whatever reason. And we'll kind of see what happens from there. Uh, I don't think he's fallen out of the rotation. I do uh, want to call back to my conversation I had with him before last week's games when we talked about what's the difference between a good day and a bad day. And he said on a bad day, he gets up, his knee hurts, he can feel it, it's hard to move, particularly laterally, uh, it gets in his head just a little bit. Um, on a good day, it's almost like it isn't even there. And that's kind of what he uh, is dealing with. Um, so... He did say that last weekend, not not like last week and the weekend before, was when he was feeling good. And in both of those games, it felt like his knee was holding up. Those he called good days. It could be that Tad decided he didn't want to play Dallas Walton this weekend because those were bad days. And he said, hey, my knee hurts. I got to do whatever. And and that's tough. Um, and, and that could be what's holding him back. I actually don't know. But... Uh, I do want to see him bounce back because he was making strides. It seemed like week after week he was improving. It seemed like game after game he was improving. But then he didn't get much run last weekend, and I really hope that that doesn't halt the progress that Dallas Walton was making. But I could definitely see how that could be the case. You know, progression back from injuries, progression just as a basketball player, those aren't those aren't linear. Um, there, there are a lot of setbacks and sometimes you see these flashes, you see these sustained, um, bouts of success and then he just falls off. Um, hopefully Dallas Walton will back, bounce back this weekend. I do think that this will be an interesting test for him against Cal's big men, um, because they, they aren't like what he was going up against in his eight minutes against USC. These aren't freshmen who are, you know, all world athletes who are competing to get to the NBA as one and done players. These aren't like these freak athlete, you know, prototypical NBA guys. These are big, bulky college bigs who are experienced, who are crafty, who are going to provide a challenge that Dallas Walton hasn't faced. You know, Evan Batty has seen these types of players throughout this season. He's he's uh, gone up against some of this type because Dallas Walton came on so 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 late um it's kind of been in the last month we've seen him progress he, he hasn't really seen a matchup like this and 
again, this is part of his development, learning how to play against these guys. It's part of, you know, Tad Boyle's opportunity to see what he can give, whether he needs to be up against these athletic guys, that's who he takes advantage of, or whether he needs to be going up against small ball lineups, whether he needs to be going up against um, these big guys. We don't know what these favorable matchups are. And it's easy to project and say, you know what, I can see as a, a guy who's not been playing a whole bunch who's who's been working his way back from multiple injuries how this could be kind of tough to go up against crafty guys who understand the game very well and that's their strength and also th- their physical strength is also their strength but you know it's it, it could be that his athleticism at his height and his touch around the rim means that they just aren't athletic enough to compete you know we see that sometimes from evan we we see that sometimes guys like dallas walton uh, typically maybe just a little bit more athletic, more of the dunker type than the finesse finisher around the rim type, um, that, that those can give him some trouble, particularly get him in foul trouble. Um, this is definitely a game where we're going to learn a lot about Dallas Walton. Um, McKinley Wright, and I, I know this is a, these are like the two guys we've been focusing on a lot recently, but McKinley, I think, has a... Uh, a big opportunity himself. He he's quietly been playing well recently. Um, loudly was playing well uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and before that had kind of struggled. Um, I I do think that this could be kind of an inflection point. Uh, we've we've seen how he uh, can get just a little bit complacent. How he can rush things. He can almost lose his feel for the game. Um, because that's that's what really marks the difference between a good game for him and a bad game, whether he just feels out, whether he should be um, pushing, trying to get to the rim, whether he should be sitting back um, playing that distributor role. Um, we we got to get that feel back, especially against these bad games. Um, and I don't necessarily think he's lost it, but when he isn't putting up the big numbers in these last couple games the way he was before... It's it's an opportunity for things to go one of two ways. They could they could turn him into a Bob Cousy finalist, like have him play like the top ten point guard in the country that the Basketball Hall of Fame said he was yesterday, or you know he could go back to what he was early in the season, which was a pretty inefficient point guard um, compared to what we know he can be. Um, I'm excited to see these matchups. Uh, I do think that Colorado should be a really heavy favorite. Uh, they, they have that man defense. I think they probably match up very well at every position. You could see Evan getting in some foul trouble against some of these big men. I wouldn't be banking on it, though. I, I do think that this is a game where Colorado comes in motivated. They've, they've struggled on the first half of these back-to-backs against the inferior opponent a couple of times now. I think they've learned that lesson, and I think that they just shut Cal down and move on to Stanford on Saturday, and that's the big game this weekend. That's the one that we'll all be watching. Um, I do want to get into some signing day stuff because that is tomorrow. Finally, we're going to get an answer on Ashad Clayton. He's been all over Twitter um, he's excited. I'm excited. I have a good feeling about that. Um, before that, though, I want to tell you about um, Green Mountain Dental, I think we're talking about. Uh, I could use a trip to the dentist for sure. And uh, the best part about choosing Green Mountain Dental is that if you go in there and uh, get a teeth cleaning and an x-ray and exam, like that whole like triple threat thing, 
then they'll give you a free Sonicare toothbrush. Like it's super nice electric toothbrush. It'll take care of your mouth. So you can do what they do, make it so that you don't have to go there all that often and they'll let you do that for free. Um, so check them out today online or you can call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. Um, okay, signing day tomorrow. It isn't going to be a huge day in terms of quantity, but it will be huge in terms of determining what this class is, what the future of Colorado football is. Uh, we we talk about we talk about Ashad Clayton a lot. We spent a lot of time talking about him. You know, I, I have fun covering recruiting because I don't really cover recruiting the same way everybody else does. I don't. I mean, like I watch the film, I watch more highlights than film, to be honest. Um, I look at the stats, I have a sense of who these guys are, how they fit, that kind of stuff. But what I'm most interested in is the drama. Uh, I like following along on Twitter and seeing what they're saying, seeing what the other recruits are saying, talking to other recruits about them. Um, that's the fun part. That's the fun part to me. Um, tomorrow that all comes to an end. For us, at least. Mel Tucker and all them, they'll be out recruiting still. Um, hopefully I'll see some of you guys at Blake street tavern before I forget to plug that. Um, all of the buffs coaches are going to be at Blake street tavern tomorrow night after signing day, after everything is finalized, talking with people like us. Um, the RSVP window is closed. The RSVP window closed Monday at five. There were 690 RSVPs. It's just going to be a big buffs party, but they did say that walk-ups are welcome. So, they have like their idea what the number is. Basically, we're going to be taking over that whole place. Um, come meet Mel. Come talk to these assistant coaches. Ask Darian Hagen what he thinks of Ashad Clayton, um, whether he thinks Ashad Clayton is going to be an impact player day one because those are the guys that have the answers, and they will be so appreciative of the response that they're getting that I think you could get some info out of them. Um, that's what these things are about. Um, also meet up with all of our bus fans, um, meet up. I know a bunch of the podcast listeners are going to be there. I've talked to some of you guys. Um, I will be there of course. Uh, so hopefully I'll see you all at Blake street tavern with 690 RSVP buffs fans to, uh, meet Mel Tucker and the coaching staff. Uh, let's just talk about Shad Clayton. We've spent so much time on him over the last couple of months but it's because he could change the Buffs football program. I mean, you look back, you think, uh, what did some of these great running backs do? Rashawn Salam, uh, Bien-Ami, uh Phil Lindsay. What is Buffs football if those guys don't decide to come to Colorado? Um, it's too early to say that Ashad Clayton is going to be right up there and he'll take that fourth spot on the Mount Rushmore of Buffs running backs. And I know that there were some old guys um, who are like also insanely good, but uh, I feel like I have to say that because I'm new to the Buffs and I do know some things about the past here. But um, that is the ceiling that Ashad Clayton has. Ashad Clayton is a power back. He he runs mean. You 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 think of the like Vickers knocking out the CSU guy uh, at the goal line um, and and how that has kind of turned into one of the moments of Buffs football of that era. You know, it's a gift that you still see all around, him just throwing the defender on the ground. Uh, you think of what Visca did on that play against Stanford when he just on fourth down took the ball out of the Wildcat, hit the guy, knocked him back, pushed three guys forward, 
if you like that kind of stuff, that's what Ashad Clayton provides. That's who he is as a football player. He runs mean. He isn't a power back in in the way that you know, uh, you know, Mike Tolbert um, of the Chargers and the Panthers was a power back. You know, he isn't just like bulky. He isn't a Christian Okoye, just run you over type. He runs mean. He he throws guys to the side. He hits guys in the chest. He is fun to watch. And on top of that, he also can juke guys out. And he can also outrun a lot of defensive backs. And he's doing all that at this point. Again, just to catch you up on this story because it is such a crazy story. He was getting offers. He, he was generally considered a top five running back in the entire country in his recruiting class. Um, getting offers from the SEC. Getting offers from every school that you would want to be considering. And then he tears his meniscus in the spring uh, during track season where he is a very good track person, as you would expect. Um, loses his offers, but he doesn't uh, know it. He he tries to commit to LSU over the summer, and they say, actually, we aren't sure that we want to give you the scholarship because of that knee injury. Um, he, he doesn't get to play much early in the season. He's frustrated. Uh, his coach says it's what's best for the team. Um, because the offers from Alabama and Georgia and LSU and all these big name schools have dried up, he decides to commit to Colorado. And then he goes on an incredible run in the playoffs where he's averaging over 10 yards per carry in five playoff games. He's, he's, he puts up 19 touchdowns running the football in five playoff games. Uh, he's, he's averaging 240 yards rushing per game in those playoff games. Leads his team to the state championship game. It's because he rested. It turns out the knee's fine, and he's still committed to Colorado. All of a sudden, these SEC schools are coming back. They want him. And he pretty much says, no, you guys didn't like me when I was at my low? Well, guess what? Uh, you can't have me now. Uh, Florida has kind of swooped in. He took the official visit to Florida a week or two ago, that seems like it's the only competitor with Colorado, and we're going to get clarity tomorrow. Um, and again, this changes the face of this team um, because he does project. And again, you know, you never know how guys are going to pan out. You never know whether the stars are accurate, whether he's underrated, whether he's overrated, any of that kind of stuff. But uh, he projects as a number one back sooner rather than later, and the type of guy who you pair with is, you know, Brendan Lewis, pair with Brendan Rice, pair with Keith Miller, all these guys on this offense and say, wow, this could be really explosive. This can be competitive at, at the the Pac-12 level, um, competing for Pac-12 championship a few years down the road. And that is so exciting, um, especially because of the the identity that Mel Tucker's trying to build. He wants, he wants a mean football team, a strong football team, tough guys. Uh, he wants to be bulky up front throwing guys around, dominate in the trenches offensively and defensively. And that's where everything starts um, in football. And he gets that. Um, if you can have that uh, embodied in your running back, well, there you go. And I, I do think that Jaron Mangum has a lot in that, of that in him. And I think Alex Fontenot is going to be a, a, a top half of the Pac-12 starter. I think he's a top six running back in the Pac-12 next year, which... Uh, means that he should be getting draft interest um, because of the reputation Pac-12s deservedly have, or Pac-12 running backs deservedly have. Um, 
Ashad Clayton is right there in that mix. He could be the number one. He could be the number three. But I really do expect him to have a big impact immediately um, if he decides to come to Colorado. Um, you know what? I think that that's going to pretty much do it for today. Uh, I had fun. I had a lot of fun. We might have to do this more often. Um, I'm head over to Pepsi Center in about an hour, two hours, to catch the Nuggets game. Excited about that. Uh, I'll be in, I guess, Boulder for also tomorrow. Um, and then also uh, at... Oh, at Play Street Tavern for the signing day thing. That's what it is. And then uh, also... Let's see. Thursday, Buffs play Cal. Be up there in Boulder Thursday night for that. Hopefully, I'll see some of you there. Um, Friday, I think I might be free, which is pretty crazy. Uh, Saturday, uh, I'll be in Boulder for the 4 o'clock game against Stanford. And then uh, at our DNVR Nuggets watch party as they take on the Suns. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Free beer, all that kind of stuff. Um, I'll be headed straight there after the game. Hopefully, I see you guys at some of those things. If you have any questions, always leave them in the comment section for the post for today's show, and I will get to those. Um, I will talk to you tomorrow, which is Wednesday. All right. Bye. I think they like my Colorado sway. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. See you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. Oh. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging as the crowd do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hey. Hey. You on your own now, why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. Yeah. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it.